sharing projects that matter. This is Community Voices on Portland Radio Project. Welcome to Community Voices. I'm Jamie Dracos. This week we are talking with women from the Columbia Willamette chapter of Women of Vision. Stay tuned at the end of the show to find out more about their fall kickoff event happening next week. Welcome to you all. Thank you. Thank you. So we have four guests in our tiny studio here today, and I just wanted to start off our show by introducing them all to you. If you wanted to start. My name is Luann Yockey. And can you tell us a little bit uh, about yourself and um, your connection to Women of Vision? Yes, um, I have been a part of Women of Vision since it started here in Portland, which is about 20 years ago now. Uh, It's a great group of women that act as volunteers under the World Vision program um, that is international and quite large and interestingly actually has a lot of roots here in Portland. I think we'll talk about that a little later. Indeed. So let's move on to our next guest. I'm Nancy Johns, and um, I've been part of Columbia Willamette Women of Vision for about 10 years I live in Vancouver, Washington. We do span across the Columbia River, and we have members in Vancouver as well as in the greater Portland area. Um, Sandy, would you like to introduce yourself next? Sure, thank you. I'm Sandy Grubb, and like Luann, I've been part of Women of Vision for about 20 years as well, and I have the privilege of serving on the World Vision U.S. Board of Directors. I've been on the board for about the last six years. And? Hi, I'm Ann Heiskus. I'm the um, chapter chair of the Columbia Willamette Women of Vision chapter. Luann, I think you were going to start us out and tell us a little bit about World Vision, which is an organization that a lot of people have probably heard of and maybe have seen old commercials for. And Right. Um, well, actually, I was living in Portland when World Vision started. Uh, it was back in 1950, and we happened to be going to a, a church that really liked World Vision a lot because World Vision was providing care to people around the world. And in those early early days, a lot of people were sponsoring children because the founder, Bob Pierce, would talk about the needs of children in various places, particularly in Korea, Mm -hmm. where things got started. And so the church I was going to, they were kind of promoting sponsorship of children. So I remember hearing about World, World Vision when I was very young. One of the wonderful things I got to do is I started working for World Vision after college years, and I ended up working for the organization for 36 years. Um, I retired a few years ago, and it has been just a wonderful experience for me, not only to travel and see different parts of the world and different projects and programs that World Vision is involved in today. It's a very large organization with about 42,000 staff around the world. We work in about 100 countries. There are literally millions of beneficiaries in in those 100 countries. So I've been in quite a few, been able to see a lot of it, and I just am excited still to be a part of it as a volunteer with Women of Vision. That's great. So, Sandy, were you going to talk a little bit about the, um, the projects or the goals of World Vision? Yeah, and maybe first I'll just expand a little bit uh-huh. on what Luann was saying. Today, we're one of the largest um, relief and development organizations in the world, and about a fourth to a third of our work each year is in the area of emergency relief, um, responding to natural disasters or people whose lives are torn apart because of conflict. 
And then the other three-fourths of our work is in community development projects. We'll partner with a community when we're invited into a country, and we will sit down and plan with them what they need, and we plan out the work, what they're going to do, what we're going to provide, and we work together. And our projects are long-term. We know change takes a long time to really be effective. And so we'll be in an area for 10, 15, 20 years. And at the end of the day, we're so proud when the community can say, look what we've done, and we will just quietly go away and celebrate just the better life that they're experiencing. And, and our mission is to go to the most broken places, the most fragile places in the world. Poverty's receding. I think probably many people have heard that extreme poverty has been cut in half in the last 20 years. Uh, and I think that's a really important piece that in, in World Vision had uh, a hand in that. Do you want to talk about that piece yeah, a little we, bit? We are really um, privileged to be part of transforming the lives of so many children, families. You know, we focus on children, but in because they are the most vulnerable, the most vulnerable person in the world is a little girl growing up in poverty in the developing world. She mm-hmm. is so often exposed to exploitation. And so we, um, but to help a child best, you need to build a strong family and a strong community. Somalia, Syria, Congo, South Sudan, Afghanistan, some very difficult and dangerous places. World Vision has really developed expertise in going into these very fragile contexts. We find that 20% of the Earth's population is in these fragile states, but they are carrying 50% of the extreme poverty, 60% of the hunger, 70% of child mortality under five. And so... um, We have our work cut out for us, but Mm -hmm. World Vision is determined not to stop until we've helped every last one. Uh, One thing I wanted to mention is that World Vision now has the um, honor of being the largest private provider of clean water in the world today. In 2017, according to the president, Rich Stearns um, said a few weeks ago, um, three to four million people received clean water in 2017 through World Vision alone. And that's amazing. And I think there's a goal of trying to provide clean water to everyone in the world by 2030. Yeah, such a um, large need yeah, there. 2030 is actually the UN's sustainable development goal to have clean water around the world. And so we're committed to bringing clean water everywhere, at least where we're working. Mm-hmm. Other governments are chiming in. The government of Rwanda just said, we will join in and make that happen. Wow. And so we're excited to see other governments taking part in that. Yeah. Yeah. It's It sounds so hopeful to think that we could have people with clean water by 2030. That's an incredible goal. We tackle the root causes of poverty. So water sanitation, hygiene, education, health care, economic empowerment, education. So all of the basic things that yeah. children need to thrive. And you are the chair of the Columbia Willamette yes. chapter of Women of Vision. Do you want to talk about Women of Vision in this chapter here in the Portland area? Sure, I'm happy to. I've been involved for about 20 years since I moved to Portland in mm-hmm. 2000. Our chapter has been around a little longer than that. I think we were found, I was actually been involved for 18 years. Our chapter has been around about 20 years. We've raised about $3 million in those 20 years for World Vision projects, and that's really exciting. What we do, we're, we're a group of women in the Portland metro area who are really passionate about ending extreme poverty and have a desire to gather together to learn, act, and give in support of World Vision projects. 
Many people can go online and donate to a cause, but we're, it's really exciting here in the area that we have a group of women that like to gather and learn together. And there's a certain energy in that and a certain excitement in that. And that's kind of what our chapter Women of Vision is about. Um, and so we have several, we have a lot of events during the year that women can attend and learn um, and donate to. Um, and our chapter supports three specific world vision projects um, that we're going to talk about coming up. One in Bangladesh um, to end child labor. Uh, one in Honduras to help small farmers earn more off of their land to raise them out of poverty. And in the Middle East, helping to support the Syrian refugees. So one of the things when you and I had talked that was interesting was just um, how much your local chapter gets together and has different happenings. Talked about a book club mm -hmm. and yeah. uh, there's some women that do a little bit of local work. Did you want to talk about yeah. some of that? Yeah, happy to. We start our year kind of in the fall with our annual kickoff event and uh, women can come and learn about World Vision. And then throughout the year, we have a, a fundraising dinner in April. I mean, and throughout the year, we have a group of women who um, are donating and excited about World Vision, but also desire to do something locally to help with the needs in Portland. So they get together once a month, maybe twice a month to serve in a in a variety of different nonprofits here in the Portland area. And it's it really runs a gamut. Um, and then in the summer, we like to get together just informally and study different books on topics related to poverty and oppression and global conflict. And we also have educational events that um, are smaller venues to talk about our projects specifically. So if people want to dig a little deeper uh -huh. into the Syrian refugee crisis or our work in Honduras or the Bangladesh project, they can do that. Oh, interesting. Thanks, Nancy. And one more thing. Through our chapter two, um, a lot of women have the opportunity to travel to our projects and see firsthand um, what's happening. And uh, many, many women in our chapter have had that opportunity to travel. All the women here have had that opportunity. Yeah, that sounds very exciting. What an experience that must be. In fact... I think we should talk about that next. We're going to talk about the three different projects that the Columbia Willamette chapter supports. Nancy. Well, I'm going to talk about our project in Honduras. Okay. Um, if you think of the work that World Vision does in a given community or country as um, a puzzle, and there's different puzzle pieces, and Sandy alluded to those, the two that we address in Honduras are water, and the program there is called WASH, Water, Sanitation, and Hygiene, and also a program called Thrive, which is sort of in the economic empowerment sector. It allows farmers to more effectively um, be just resilient in a vulnerable environment. So weather conditions, um, markets change, this helps farmers do that. One of the issues in Honduras, which we find in a number of developing countries, is a real youth drain. Mm. And the problem with that is, as you might guess, the youth are the future leaders, they're innovators, they have the energy to try new things, and when they leave, the community doesn't have that anymore. So the focus of the Thrive program, which has to do with farmers, Honduras is primarily agrarian, has a, some training classes for young adults, 17 to 23, uh, helping them learn farming techniques, ways of rotating crops. And when I was in Honduras, we got to meet some young people who were in the classes. They were learning different techniques. They were growing product um, that 
under different circumstances, some of the um, crops were covered with nets to keep birds out. Mm. They were all drip irrigated because water is a scarce resource. They were using different fertilizer techniques. And then they would see which of these rows of crops did better. So Thrive has been in place. The It's a five-year project. Um, the plan is to reach 60,000 people. That's 10,000 households wow. over the course of five years. So pretty amazing. And like I said, one of the other puzzled pieces that goes with that is WASH. There are still communities in Honduras that do not have potable water, meaning drinkable mm -hmm. water. And they're drinking out of streams. Uh, things get pretty thin in terms of water supply in the summertime. And um, World Vision is working to find sources and then implement systems that provide potable water. One we saw, they most of the water comes from springs, mm -hmm. and they pipe it down to tanks and then pipe from the tanks to the community. The way the community gets involved, World Vision projects have a huge community involvement component. In this community, for four months on a shift, they had a schedule. They dug the trenches to get the water from the water tower to the community and into people's houses. Wow. So that community now has water. That is good information about the work in Honduras. Did we want to go to uh, Syria next? Yeah, as many of you know, the Syrian conflict started in March of 2011. It broke out um, on the heels of the Arab Spring movement and has continued much longer than anyone ever hoped or imagined it would. Um, Almost a half a million people have lost their lives, and 55,000 of these are children. Um, more than half of the country has been displaced out of their homes. They have over 5 million people have are refugees now officially who have left the country. They've gone to Turkey, to Iraq, to Jordan, to Lebanon. About a million have reached Europe, and 21,000 have come to the U.S., so they are dispersed. Their lives are in upheaval. I was able to go to Jordan just this past May and visit one of the large refugee camps there that World Vision is working in. It's like many of the pictures maybe we've seen of large refugee camps with rows and rows and rows of tents, which they happen to call caravans, which was interesting. World Vision was there from the beginning of this particular camp to plan it from the beginning. And they have water and food, you know, sanitation system. They have food supply worked out. Often they give food vouchers to families so they have the dignity to go and buy their own food. World Vision's working in partnership with many other people on this refugee response. We work with USAID and the World Food Program. We work with other non-government organizations, we call them NGOs, and churches, private donors. It's really all hands on deck. When children are um, experience trauma like that, they come with... Um, most children have lost a year of school, at least. Only 60% of serious children are still in school right now. The children who come to the refugee camps are definitely enrolled in school. Mm -hmm. World Vision's doing a lot of work in the community me meetings, um, youth meetings to just empower youth and young people and families so they know their rights and know better how to protect their children. And 
and also to um, give them some hope for their future and give them some um, support in dealing with the trauma of what they've been through. World Vision has child-friendly spaces there in many places where they work and children come. It's a place to just be kids, to leave what they've seen behind. Many have them, many of them have witnessed the killing of their parent and they have come maybe not even speaking. And so the child-friendly space is a place to come and play and color and tell their stories and um, receive just very professional psychosocial intervention. Um, we visited one family in that camp in Jordan, and it was a mom and five children. Her husband actually was with her, too. She was lucky. None of their family lost their lives. But I asked them, what was it that made you finally decide you had to leave Syria? And I was afraid I've asked the wrong question, but the interpreter went ahead and asked it for me. And the mom said, um, she started to describe a scene where bombs were dropping in their neighborhood. Their house caught fire. Their oldest daughter caught on fire. They ran, made their way to the woods, and I could tell the daughter's face was scarred from this. Mm -hmm. They were in the woods for two days hiding out and then made their way to a temporary border camp where they stayed six months, and then they made their way to this more um, permanent, but hopefully not permanent, refugee camp. They'd been there three years. And we asked her, what are your dreams for the future? And her number one dream was to have plastic surgery for her daughter's scarring. And then her number two dream was to make sure her children have an education. And her number three dream was just to be safe. Mm, wow. Really incredible, the work that your organization is doing to help relieve mm -hmm. some of that tragedy. Who's on tap to talk about Bangladesh? Is that Luann? I'll start it. All and right. I think Sandy may want to add some comments because she's been there as well. And um, it was actually a wonderful experience for me to be there. I've been there three times. Um, I saw an, an initial program that World Vision had started for children but the new program that started two years ago is a child protection program. Um, it's a four-year program that has a goal of, of helping about a little over 50,000 people, and over half of those are children. And the whole idea behind this is to help address the child labor situation in Bangladesh. And I think most of us are not aware of the fact that Bangladesh has some of the greatest problems and the greatest difficulties in addressing child labor. It's um, a country that not intentionally wants their children to work necessarily, but the poverty is very deep. Mm. And so often children are placed in some difficult situations where adults would normally be working and would earn more, and children instead have been pressed into labor as well, and they earn pennies a day. Mm -hmm. So World Vision's model is a really important one, and it, we do it everywhere in the world that we work, which is to work with communities and the families in the community and to help them get organized. It involves typically about a year of preparation and trying to identify not only the families that are most at risk or the children most at risk, but also in helping the families and the local officials and some of the community leaders buy into the fact that they need to do something to help protect their children. 
So these children can be very young, um, and it's shocking to us what they end up doing. The, the jobs that they have can be very dangerous um, using machinery. We saw boys using doing welding, doing sanding, doing kind of car repair type things with metal work. It, it looks scary to us. And of course, they don't have the kind of protections that we would insist on for adults as well. We saw a lot of young girls um, pressed into labor that requires them to clean shrimp. Um, Bangladesh has a bounty of shrimp and seafood. And these are children and many times women who are squatting for literally eight to 10 hours a day with very little break. And they pull the shells off, they pull the brains out, they separate different parts of the shrimp that goes into different places. Um, for instance, some of the shrimp would actually be used to make a, a seafood paste or a powder that we might be eating and adding to what we eat here. Mm -hmm. So this is very difficult work. Their hands are cold, their feet are numb, they are cut and uh, by the shells of the shrimp. Um, it's just very, very difficult. And they're earning, I mean, literally pennies a day, maybe 50 cents, 75 cents for hours of work. Mm. Not per hour, hours of work. This kind of child labor is illegal. Mm. But the problem is that they don't have the resources in Bangladesh to be able to really address this. There aren't enough authorities that can go and stop it. And there is some reluctance to stop it because the poverty is what drives it. So right. if a woman is left behind, and this is not uncommon, if, if her husband decides to move out, he's tired of the poverty maybe, and he leaves, the mother can be left with her children. And she doesn't have much choice because she can't bring in enough income in order to take care of them. So the question, of course, for World Vision, and we've been working in Bangladesh for a long time, is really how to mobilize um, families as well as businesses and government officials. So the first time that we went, and Sandy and I had the privilege of traveling with a few others to see the initial phase of this program, it was a lot of just trying to make the case with the local government officials um, we were creating the child-friendly spaces that, that Sandy has described a little bit from uh, the refugee camps. And as she mentioned, World Vision has child-friendly spaces. And these are places not just to protect the children, but in Bangladesh, these are places where the children will do catch-up education. Mm. Um, they have an opportunity to be removed from the, the egregious forms of labor that they're involved in. The families have to agree to it. The business owner has to agree to it. And then they begin to do this. It's like a tutoring. Um, there's also recreation and food for them. And they gradually get back into school. So far, of the 50,000 people that are going to be impacted by this project, we're at 20,000. We're in the second year of a four-year project. And of the 20,000, we have, again, about half of that are the children themselves, but it also helps the parents and the reason that that's so critical to us is because the parents have to find an alternate source of money mm -hmm. to take the place of what their children are earning. So that means an economic development aspect to this. And World Vision works with the families that agree that they don't want their child doing this any longer, that we will help them with a, 
a small amount, it's a stipend for a full year that more than replaces what their child was earning. And then we work with the family to create another source of income. Now for the other, the older children that are in this program, they might be in their teens and they're a little too old to be able to go back and catch up with their education. There's skills training for them. So when I was there just this last uh, few months ago, it was beautiful to see the change from when we were there a couple years ago to now, where there are young girls that instead of the shrimp work or some other heavy labor, they're doing sewing or they're creating something that they're able to sell. And they have these plans for their future that involves a total change of what they saw what they were experiencing and in, in working in these factories. They're happy. They're excited. The other difference I have to mention that I thought was so exciting from the first trip to the second trip was we met with some of the business owners and we're talking about very micro enterprise, very small. There are multiple things along one street and there's almost a, a, everyone almost has at least one or two children working. Instead of seeing just the business owner and the business owner kind of looking a little askance at us because World Vision was showing us what the need was, mm-hmm. instead, when I was there this last trip, the business owners are in the child-friendly space and they are part of the advisors to help make it happen. And the business owners themselves work with the, all the other owners in that one little street to say, this is the right thing to do. Children shouldn't be doing this work. Hmm. It's it's really wonderful that um, what and to see it, you know, over the course of a couple of years and see some of the fruition of that, that hard work and money and time. Yeah. And thank you for mentioning that, Jamie, because actually I think what's so exciting about this is we see this as kind of a pilot program. It's a very interesting, unusual approach um, with the stipend to the family. But we're finding that it's really working And the government of Bangladesh likes World Vision's work. We work in many parts of the country. So if this continues to go well, which we believe it will, it'll spread. It'll be in other parts of the country, too. One of the things that I love about World Vision is that they are pretty darn well organized. So the staff on the ground in these countries we work in are um, good in terms of their local staff, so they're not people from other places. They're, they're country-level staff. And they, so they understand the culture far better than we ever could. And the staff is unbelievably skilled and have great community connections. So their projects are well-defined. They actually have measurable um, targets that they're working with. They do a careful assessment of how the project is going, and then they retool if they need to, tweak things, and go again. So I really appreciate as a donor, knowing I'm working with an organization and giving my money to an organization that holds itself accountable for the results. And and I think that segues us really nicely, (laughs) thank you, Nancy, into why all of you are involved and what's important to you about World Vision and Women of Vision and uh, 
And yeah, one of the things I was going to mention is before I came to Portland, when I moved to Portland, I was so excited about the Women of Vision chapter because I'd come from Washington, D.C., where I'd been working for a member of Congress who was very passionate about human rights and traveled widely to many, many difficult places like South Sudan, where it was a terrible civil war. Many people have died and displaced. And um, and and because of his passion and because of his desire for change, I worked a lot with representatives of groups, humanitarian groups and government groups that were working in this area. And I always found that World Vision was very well respected, both in Washington as part of a, a humani- the bigger community of humanitarian groups trying to do work in this area, but also around the world. Um, and, and they're doing it in the name of Christ. And that was something that was very powerful for me. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're, they've been around a long time. They understand the complex nature of poverty mm-hmm. and the, the solutions to create sustainable change. They're not in and out with the one little thing and come back and one little thing, come back. They really understand how difficult it is to create change, but they have strategies for doing it. And they've been successful in many places. And that is also why my husband and I feel very strongly about supporting World Vision, because we we feel like our money is do, is doing really good things in an organization that has an excellent reputation, both here and abroad in many places where they work. And you, that's I love that about World Vision. Yeah. Yeah. Sandy. Thank you. I've been a school teacher and at my church, I've worked with children's programming And I've always just really cared about the lives of children and their well-being. One day I was in church listening to Pastor Tom, and he challenged us to um, lift our eyes and look at the world beyond our community, beyond our country. And, And it got me thinking that maybe I could make a difference in the lives of children around the world. I had no idea how I was going to do that, but about... A month later, I met Luann Yaki, who's right here with us. <laughs> and she introduced my husband and me to World Vision, took us on a trip to, um, well, not with her at first. We went with a, on a World Vision trip to Kenya and Tanzania. We took our kids with us. It's the first time I had seen extreme poverty. And it's heartbreaking to see this for the first time. We visited a village, a very poor Maasai family, and the mother asked if perhaps we would take one of her daughters for a wife for our youngest son. And I thought, is she really serious? And there was no joking in her eyes. And I thanked her, but declined, of course. But it it just broke my heart. And I thought when I came back and talked more with Luann and got to know World Vision better, I thought there is a place for all of us here in the developed world to be a voice for these children who need a voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So Luann. Mm. Well, um, I have to say that when I started sponsoring a child, I did that very intentionally when I was in high school. My best friend and I split the cost because we couldn't afford it back then. Um, and it became kind of a small window into a world I didn't really know. I was well-protected, loved by my parents here, and getting a glimpse into the life of an orphan somewhere else was really important for me in kind of shaping my interests in in the world, and particularly in children at risk um, who need extra um, advocacy, extra voices beyond, sometimes beyond their own borders, people like us who can speak up and 
also support the work that's being done. But my first real trip with World Vision after I joined the organization was to Ethiopia during the incredible famine of the mid-80s, where I really broke my heart. My husband was privileged. Uh, We both went with a small group of people, so it was a privilege for us to travel together. And I remember in the plane on the way home after we'd spent a week there and had seen everything from emergency feeding and food distribution to um, sponsorship of children to economic development and water project, putting in water in northern Kenya, all of those things. And we sat next to each other on the plane on the way home, and we looked at each other and we said, we would have to be nuts not to support this. We'd be crazy not to do something about this when we see that things are being done to address it and they're being done well. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of it for me. And then to have the privilege of taking people periodically on trips to see it firsthand too. I've seen so much transformation, not just in the lives of people who are living in such poverty, but those of us who are living pretty comfortable lives need transformation too. Thank you, Luann. Fancy, please tell us. I've been forgotten before. (laughs) My apologies. (laughs) I got involved in the beginning with World Vision through my church. Um, My church has been involved in Senegal, West Africa for 20 years. And so my first trip with World Vision to the field was in Senegal. Mm -hmm. And I had an opportunity, you know, you probably can tell from my conversation, I'm pretty fact-oriented. For me, the beauty of it all was to get my heart as engaged as my head. And Women of Vision gives us that opportunity. So there's lots of information, and we've shared a lot of it today. But we've also hopefully shared some of the heart part of it all. And Luann alluded to it. You know, when you have a long-term relationship or even a short-term relationship with someone in another place who culturally is extremely different from you, but the part that really pulls you in and doesn't let go of you is the heart part. Yeah. Thank you for that. Mm So, Anne, if people are interested in learning more about Women of Vision and how they might participate, how how would they get in touch with you? Well, first of all, they should go to our website, which is womenofvision.org. And from there, you can see a calendar of our upcoming events. Um, Or also mark your calendars for October 13th for our fall kickoff event that's going to be happening at Lake Grove Presbyterian Church on October 13th, Saturday morning from 9 to 11. I mean, that will um, bring you into our chapter events for the year and you can sign up to be part of our chapter and to receive all of our information and to learn, sign up to learn more about all of our projects. And last thing I wanted to say is we have a goal every year of, of um, our, this year, our goal was to raise $175,000 for World Vision projects. And we're very, very close to that goal where I think we're about $5,000 or less or now. less towards that goal. Uh, There's a lot of opportunities to get involved, and we just encourage any woman in the Portland area who just has a passion for ending extreme poverty to check out our website and come to our events and learn more about what we're doing, because I think they will find, like all of us have found, that it's just, it fulfills a part of your soul that you can't fulfill in any other way. And to to feel like you're helping a child who really needs your help is just something that's profound, and um, you'll be proud that you're part of this organization. Thank you. And thank you all, um, all of you, for coming in today. It was such a treat to have you here. And thank you to um, Women of Vision 
and uh, the, the folks of World Vision. If you are interested in more information about Women in, of Vision, we will also have a link on our website. You can find us at prp.fm, and we will have uh, both a link to World Vision and Women of Vision up for you so that you can check them out online and uh, then go check them out in person. And thank you all for your time today. It was great to have you here. Thank you, thank you for Jamie, having for us. inviting us. Great. Yeah. You've been listening to Community Voices on Portland Radio Project. Learn more at prp.fm.